In the last 10 years, our field has gone from an unknown specialty to a household name. This brings unprecedented opportunities, but we need to rise up to meet them and give our patients the care that they deserve. In order to help others get better, we need to be better. This podcast will help you to become more confident with your patients, more successful in your practice or business, and a leader in pelvic health. And we're going to have some fun along the way. Join us as we rise together. We're Jesse and Nicole Cozine, founders of Pelvic Sanity Physical Therapy and the creators of the Pelvic PT Huddle. And this is Pelvic PT Rising. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Pelvic PT Rising Podcast with Jesse and Nicole Cozine. Hey Nicole. Hello. Can you believe we have three months until Pelvicon? I cannot. This has been, it was weird because in... At the end of 2021, on Black Friday, when we were doing the launch, the original launch, it was like it seemed so far away. And then it's been seeming like it's been going by really slow. And now all of a sudden, it's like, oh, crap, like we got to really get light a little fire under our ass and like get it together and and, uh, go. Yeah, this is going to be a lot of fun. We're talking a lot with Jessica Andrew, working over all the details, talking with the speakers, getting everybody out there. It is going to be awesome. So for those of you who have been living under a rock, Pelvicon is, Nicole, I will give the quick update. You tell me if I miss anything. It is the first conference both by and for Pelvic Rehab. It is done by you and Jessica Real. You guys are bringing in an amazing speaker lineup in September of 2022 to Atlanta. The initial tickets sold out in four minutes. And it is all about practical information you can utilize the next morning and some amazing speaker lineups, getting to know each other, and really providing both information and inspiration for people in the pelvic health field. That pretty much sums it up. It's going to be freaking epic. There are also a couple, if you are happen to be going to PelvicCon, there's three add-on things that you can do. There's a post-con conference with Jessica and I on Sunday afternoon on treatment strategies for tailbone pain. There's a business owner's lunch for any business owner in pelvic health that Jesse and Andrew will be heading up. And then there is the charity dinner on Saturday evening that where 100% of the net proceeds will be going directly to Global Women's Health Initiative. There is going to be a magician there. It is going to be freaking awesome. Yes. So if you already have your tickets, then great. But one of the first things we realized when this thing sold out in the first four minutes, we kind of immediately started thinking about clearly there's a huge need here. Clearly that there's a reason that that everybody wants to go and see. I mean, the speaker lineup we'll talk about a little bit later is just absolutely insane. And so we started to think about how we could get more people to be able to take advantage of that because I really believe this is going to be a point of inflection in people's careers. Getting to see these people, this energy, all in one place, I think it's going to be incredible. And so we don't have any more room at the actual place. Like we've literally taken over an entire hotel with pelvic health and pelvic PTs and OTs. I mean, that is insane. So one of the things we were thinking about is just technologically, could we put together a recording of what we were doing so that more than just the people who are in the room can take advantage? And so if you're feeling that FOMO, if you are worried about missing out, we do have, starting today, 
a recording is now available. So you can pre-order that. You'll get $50 off. There's going to be 17 different topics, 10 different speakers, 12 plus hours of content. You'll have lifetime access to everything. So you'll be able to go back and rewatch all of the stuff that you want to rewatch. And you'll get the downloadable Pelvicon manual that's going to have the top three takeaways from every single speech and speaker. And one of the things that we were really passionate about when putting this together, and one of the things that I think it really helps when you have pelvic rehab talking to pelvic rehab, is making it really, really practical. It's not just this research paper shows or this information over here, which is all super interesting. We're all kind of nerds. But you are sitting there wondering, like, what does that actually mean when I get back to the clinic on Monday? So one of the things that we're really proud of in the way that Pelvicon is organized is each of these talks is going to be super practical. And it's going to have three main takeaways that you can actually go back and implement the day after you watch these. And I think that's something that's super unique to this conference. I think it's going to make those recordings incredible for you guys. So if you want to grab one of those, make sure to do it soon. You'll get that $50 off. It'll be $297 right now. It'll be $350 if you wait. And go to pelvicon.com slash recording. So that's pelvicon.com slash recording. That is open as of right now, as of today. So you can go ahead and get those, order them, and you'll get all of the information. And then about a week or so after Pelvicon, maybe two, depending on how quickly we are with the video editing, you will get access to all of that stuff. Yeah, we're, we're super stoked, and I hope that you are too. And I hope for those of you who can't make it, you will consider this option because you don't want to miss out on all of those really rad topics. I mean, those that speaker lineup, Nicole, holy cow. I mean, you guys have probably already seen it. We won't go over it again, but man, look it up. Head over to the website if you haven't seen who the speakers are. It's like every single one of those people could headline their own conference. And they're all going to be under one roof and all talking together. And so wanted to get back to this idea of being really practical. And that's actually what our topic on the podcast is today. But one of the things that I think really inspired what we're talking about at Pelvicon is an experience, Nicole, that you had going to CSM. And I remember this was actually right pre-pandemic. And you'd gone and you went to three different topics that were all about sleep. And you came home and you were all fired up about all the sleep research that you had consumed. And you'd listened to three plus hours of it. And I asked you, okay, cool. So, like, what are we going to do about that? And, and, and then I ended up spending a ton of time creating essentially the practical application that should have been presented with the talks so that I could actually implement it to my patients. Yeah, there was a huge pause, right? When I was like, oh, well, so what does that mean for people? And it was just like, ooh, I guess we're going to have to make that, put that together. Yeah, well, it was, yeah, it was actually, it took me a lot, took me a lot of time, actually. And, and I ended up making a, a sleep course for patients based on it because I was doing so much research or so much uh, time just to like consolidate everything, throw out the stuff that was just interesting, throw out just some of the research that was some of the background that got presented on, which, you know, it is important for that to be presented so you understand like where it came from and stuff. But at the end of the day, like I left and I was like, wow, that was really cool. But I still had to spend hours synthesizing an actual practical application from that. And so that was one of the things for Pelvicon that we really wanted to make sure was it's going to be directly applicable for you all immediately after because we took a lot of things from CSM that I don't like. 
quite frankly. And CSM can be really great, but it can also be really overwhelming. And I think that sometimes it misses the mark on the practical applications of the things from it. And then that kind of goes back to, it's not just going to be, nothing should be just presentation of research. Like I can look that up. You can give me a reference list with a summary and that can be great. But what does that actually mean for how should I change my clinical practice? Where is the practicality of what those research articles are telling me? And that's really where I feel like it's just super important to think about. And then that translates into multiple areas of our field as well. And we're going to go through some of those. Yeah. And I think one other thing on Pelvicon before we kind of transition to how that plays a role, speaking of practically, in your clinical practice. But I think that's one of the really cool things that every single person who's going to be presenting is a pelvic health clinician. It's not a researcher up here. And obviously everybody here is like steeped in research, but it's not a physician who's presenting about, you know, hey, this surgical technique like you can get at multidisciplinary conferences, which again are great. But every single person coming in is like a treating clinician, like knows what it's like to be in the clinic and knows how to make what they're talking about really practical. So talking about practical, that same feeling that Nicole walked away from CSM with of, ooh, that was really interesting, but like, what do I do now? Is the exact thing that we want to make sure that we avoid having patients feel when they leave your office. Ooh, look at that segue. Good job, Jess. I mean, that is, and I've experienced this firsthand as a patient. I've been to ortho PTs and people who are brilliant, like people Nicole recommends, who I know are really, really intelligent, smart, talented people. And I've left feeling like overwhelmed. I've got like this HEP list of 24 different things, or I'm in the the gym area that they've got and I'm doing all these really cool cable exercises and I feel awesome doing it and I'm feeling the burn and like all the right spots and I feel like I'm on the Los Angeles Lakers because he's got all this really, really cool equipment. And then I go home and it's like, well, shoot, at home I've got like one 25 pound dumbbell. <laughs> like, where's my cables? Like, what am I going to do? Right. And that was the missing link there. It's like, where's the practicality? In some of that. So we wanted to talk about that today, some of the areas where we sometimes fall short of being really practical with our patients and in some of the other ancillary areas of our practice and wanted to kind of talk about how to just bridge that divide between, you know, never wanting to have that person leave your clinic and just be like, where do I go from here? Yeah. So another example of that, I feel like we fall into these pitfalls of when we're talking about pelvic floor education, right, where we're talking about how the pelvic floor is related to different parts of the body. And we can get all super nerded out about that. We're all excited about it. And sometimes simplicity and practicality is best. So instead of explaining all of the different biomechanical and kinesiology ways that the foot, for instance, is related to the pelvic floor, sometimes all you need to say is, hey, Your foot is super related to the pelvic floor, (laughs) and that's why I'm going to check out all of these things on your foot, because it's going to relate back to your symptoms. And so sometimes it's like we can get so into the weeds with thinking that patients care about that when really all they care about is, how is this related to my symptom, and can you help me fix the thing? So I think that brings up a great point, Nicole. One of the areas where this practicality divide happens is in language with patients, and in getting into what you were talking about, too much PT language. Is, would that, of all of the people that you've worked with and trained and, and taught and all the courses and everything, would you say PTs generally lean more toward 
not giving enough PT information and anatomy or giving way too much PT information uh, and anatomy? 100% giving way too much and almost kind of getting lost in their own BS about it, honestly. I mean, I feel like we get so excited to show the pelvic model or show an anatomy picture that we forget that most people didn't spend three years of PT school understanding the three-dimensional nature of the body. And so looking at a two-dimensional picture in netter anatomy or even looking at a pelvic model that really isn't to scale, like doesn't do a lot for them. Like remember, they don't have a ton of body awareness. They usually don't have a ton of science background. And even if they're a curious person, they still don't have some of the underlying fundamental basic knowledge that we do that makes our words make sense to them. And so I just see so many people getting so caught up in trying to explain biomechanics to somebody, trying to explain something about the, quote, kinetic chain, trying to explain the function of the pelvic floor over and over again and using all of the words like pubococcygeus and iliococcygeus and superficial transverse perineal, perineal body. And like patients, a lot of times get lost and don't care. And by the way, you guys, most people really only are taking in probably about 10% of what we're saying anyways. So a lot of times we need to either be more repetitive or create a link that they are going to be able to associate with what we're saying. And that's where pelvic floor analogies are really excellent. Well, I mean, you just had to wake me up there because you said kinetic chain and pubococcygeus is right in a row and I am out. By the way, guys, this is a major transformation from Nicole. When we were writing the IC solution, she was fighting tooth and nail to put as much pubococcygeus in there as humanly possible. True or false? I really was. Jesse had to serious. We got actually got in a fight, I think, about it. And he was like, seriously started yelling, like, patients don't care about their pubococcygeus. They care that their pelvic floor is causing their bladder symptoms. And I was like, okay, okay. But that's not technically accurate because, <laughs> right? And But that is, like, that is the ability to really, and I think that's a skill, that you really need to practice and hone, but to be able to bring that in. You know, one of the analogies, sometimes this is great too, when you can kind of play around with different analogies and use things that other people have used. You know, you, Nicole, use the pelvic floors like a trampoline. I've heard you do like muscles are like dogs and nerves are like cats. Yeah, that actually came from a therapist that used to work here who was really good at analogies. And she came up with that. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm totally going to use that. This is one example of stealing things, quote unquote, from other people that is totally good and fine. Like I would 100% condone that. I wouldn't condone it in other ways. <laughs> but this is one of the areas where if it's going to help patients, then yeah, like this is what, I mean, instead of talking about I mean, honestly, you guys, instead of doing like freaking research, like brown bag lunch things, I would sit around and talk about analogies of different areas. How do you guys explain foot mechanics to somebody? How do you guys explain the rib cage stacking over the pelvis, right? Which sounds like easy to us. Like, oh yeah, duh, the rib cage needs to go over the pelvis. But what do we need to tell patients about that? And what analogy can we use for that? What visual can we use for that? Like stacking blocks or something like that. 
so that they can use what we're telling them in a practical way and that they're not going to forget later on. So, right. What did you do with the one that with your abdominal muscles and your pelvic floor? You have me cracking up with this. I had never heard you say this before. What was the one that you use with that? I always say that like your abdominal muscles, like your transverse abdominus, right? Or I say those lower ab muscles and your pelvic floor are like best friends. Like they are pinky swearing that if you turn on, I'm going to turn on every single time. And so that's a way when everyone's like, oh, Nicole, how do you get away with what if somebody really wants to do Kegel exercises? And and you guys know that I'm pretty anti that for all the reasons in Essential Pelvic Strengthening course that I just completed not too long ago. But it's because of that connection, right? Well, I instead of saying, well, you know, you know what? Your transverse abdominus is neurologically linked to anticipatorily connect with your pelvic floor. <laughs> Jesse just fell asleep, <laughs> right? So instead of saying like that, listen, I'm just going to say, look, I know that we need to strengthen your pelvic floor. Here's the deal. Your pelvic floor and your abdominal muscles are like besties. Like they pinky swear that every single time one of them contracts, the other one's going to come in and contract too. So what we need to do is focus on engaging your abdominal muscles. And this is how we're going to do that. And just know that every single time your bestie pelvic floor is going to also do what it needs to do. But we don't really have to think about it because that's not how it works, right? So that's how, and then, right? So now they have this visual of the abdominal muscles and the pelvic floor pinky swearing together. Like that's funny. And that is something that they'll not be worried about now every time they're talking about their, oh, is my pelvic floor contracting? It doesn't matter. It is if you are engaging your abdominal muscles correctly. And now we can focus on just the one thing. We don't have to focus on both things. And it relates back to what they're having a problem with and their symptoms. And it kind of makes sense to people. Why are you doing these whatever core things that you're doing? Because every time you do that, you're bringing along the pelvic floor, right? Right. Because they're best friends. But I want you guys to think about what other analogies will work so that your patients will get it. And they can remember it three days later. They can remember it three days later, right? Where it's like they're not in the clinic with you. But if they start to have a flare and I have said to them, hey, your muscles are like dogs. They don't care. You can kind of throw a ball. They can jump off a thing. They can get hurt a little bit. And then they're just kind of over there loving you a little bit more. But nerves are like cats, and cats are real finicky, right? Sometimes they love you, and sometimes you can, in a split second, they can be hissing and pissed off, right? So that makes a flare less scary if they have some nerve issue, right? If all of a sudden they feel tingling down in their vulva, and be like, oh my gosh, my cat area <laughs> is like a cat. Like that is like that, right? So they can be like, oh, my nerve is pissed off. My nerve is hissing. Like, how can I get that to not do that? So a couple of other areas where I think this is big. So one is the language and just kind of examining the language that you're using with patients. Another one, I think a big area here is like your home program. Like, where is the home program that you're talking about with folks practical? Practical in like, how can they make that at home? How can they do that at home in a way that's still going to be somewhat challenging, but not also butting right up to the edge of their ability? So we need to make it practical for them. And they need to understand, like, when you do this thing, this is what it relates to. This exercise is helping your this symptom. This exercise is for this purpose, Right in a way that's not. Hey, this exercise is going to relax the pubococcygeus, but hey, this exercise is going to help you poop better. 
So I need you every single time you're thinking about your pooping to do this thing so that we are correlating those two things together. So it's relating back to their symptoms. And it doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be correct every single time. What it has to be is relatable and practical to the patient. That is a huge takeaway. It does not have to be technically perfect as long as you get the truth of what you're trying to say across to folks. Yeah, so, I think that's where people get really tripped up. Like, well, we can nerd out all you want about how some of those analogies aren't will break down at some point. Even the trampoline analogy that I talk about in the essential pelvic strengthening. I'm a really big proponent of I hate the biceps analogy. It's not how the pelvic floor works. I don't it's not it's just not like that. So I think of it way more as like a trampoline. It's responsive to perturbations. It lengthens, it comes back to a normal resting tone. If it's too taut, the trampoline doesn't really work that well. All of the things about a trampoline work better. Now, does that analogy break down at some points if I was talking to a pelvic PT? Sure. Do I freaking care that you are going to talk to me about that? You know, we can talk about that over a glass of wine at Pelvicon. Like, how far does the trampoline analogy go? Great. But that's between PT to PT or rehab practitioner to rehab practitioner. To the patient, they just need to get the visual that, oh, I need to... The trampoline aspect of my pelvic floor works automatically. It's just kind of there. It's resting at a time. And if something jumps on it, then it needs to be reactive and adaptable. Great. Like that's what it needs to do for the patient. I don't care that down the line, you could have an argument with me about how that analogy sort of breaks down at some point. Right. It doesn't matter. It, what matters is the patient is now going to have that that feeling in their head, that feeling in their body of a trampoline, which is the is pretty close to what the pelvic floor is actually like. So I think that is kind of the big takeaway of what we wanted to be talking about is just kind of self-assess. Like, are there areas that you're getting a lot of questions from patients coming back or you're getting that blank look or, you know, they're coming back and saying like, oh, I, I didn't really get to my home exercise program. And you're asking why? And a lot of times it's because it's too much or too complex or too difficult or they didn't really understand why they were doing that. So this is our call today to really think about how we can make things more practical and less technically perfect, but getting the point across in a way that's memorable, in a way that is still true to their experience, but not necessarily one that has to stand up to like intense scrutiny from another professional who's not in the room with you guys. And man, if you are do if you have a group of PTs that you are working with or something and you are doing research articles together, I challenge you guys to scrap that the next week that you are meeting and instead of going over the latest research article in the Journal of Women's Health PT, which by the way was probably performed 5 years ago by the time it actually gets published, I want you guys to talk about what to make a list of things that you need to explain to patients better and just bounce different analogies off of one another. Hey, how do you explain to patients about flares? How do you explain to patients how the foot's connected to the pelvic floor? How do you explain to patients and X, Y, Z and come up with a ton of different analogies and ways to make things simple without PT language. And you guys can even play a game where you like have one of those some sort of a bell or throw a piece of paper at somebody or something if they say too many PT words. 
Yes, guys, I think that would be a really cool thing. I think we need to do a whole other podcast on this and maybe have some people write in. So if you guys have any of those favorite analogies or anything that you use that really works well with patients, send us a DM, send Nicole a DM, send us an email. We'd love to hear that, but really excited about that. Also, guys, if you are not attending PelvicCon, make sure to grab that recording. This is going to be just an absolute game changer. And like we were saying, 17 different topics. They are all really practical. You're going to get the entire manual of what is in PelvicCon and the top things to take away to make that really, really practical for you guys. So it's not just, oh, that was an interesting talk, but what do I do on Monday? You're going to know. And I think that's one of the really cool things that we've kind of built into PelvicCon. And it's one of the great things about having such an amazing speaker lineup is that those are everyone in there is really used to talking like that and giving practical takeaways and making sure that everybody who listens to their talk leaves changed in some way. And I think that will be true whether you are with us in person at PelvicCon. And if you are, remember, you will get access to all of those recordings as part of your ticket. So don't buy it if you are already coming to PelvicCon. But if you are not, if you don't have tickets, weren't able to come and see in person, we can still be a part of everything that we're doing there. And make sure to check that out. Again, that's pelvicon.com slash recording. And right now you'll be able to get $50 off when you pre-order that. So if you have any questions about any of that, if you have any questions about what we were talking about on the practical side, let us know. We always want to keep this conversation going. And let's continue to rise. <laughs>